week five, I believe we are now. So we're into module five. Uh, this week we're going to be looking at iteration, okay? Um, uh, before we get into today's, today's lecture though, I just wanna say a quick word about the, um, about the test. So, or not the test, sorry, the first individual project. Um, you guys all did fairly well on it for those of you who uh, attempted it. Uh, there was a couple people who didn't really attempt it um, and some who I'm not sure knew about it. Um, so make sure you're keeping up to date with the work uh, because those tests or the, those um, projects are worth a lot of your mark, right? You don't have any tests in this course. So those are sort of like your tests. Um, I give you lots of time to do them. They really only should take about an hour or two. So uh, I'm not taking any excuses for it being late. Um, so just make sure you pay attention to when those are due. Um, today though, we're going to be looking at iteration, uh, and how we can use iteration in our programs to, uh, repeat stuff and not have to write code over and over. So let's, uh, look at the overview here of what we'll be looking at. So first we're going to look at updating variables. Okay. Um, and how we can update variables with iteration. Then we're gonna look at why we should be iterating um, and, and like, what's the point? Like, why would we use iteration? Uh, types of iteration, so the different ways that we can iterate, uh, how you could create an infinite loop and why that would be bad, uh, the continue statement and what that's used for, as well as different looping patterns and how we can use those. So first thing we're gonna look at is updating variables, okay? So it's really common that you need to update variable values based on an old value, okay? So before you update a variable, it first has to be initialized, right? And we know that. So let me just give you a quick example while I'm talking about this. I'm just gonna make my font bigger here. And we'll zoom this in a little bit. So I actually move my console down to the bottom. If you guys prefer that uh, for yourself, you can actually do that in REPL, uh, there is a setting where you can adjust the way that your REPL looks. I believe it was in settings here. Yeah, layout. So you can do side by side or you can do stacked. I prefer stacked, so I have mine set to stacked now. Um, okay, so let's see. That's still a little small for you guys, so let me zoom that a bit. Okay, so in my main.py file, I can create a variable, right? So if I say name is equal to uh, Braden, okay, that's a variable. Now I've uh, initialized the variable because I've given it this Braden value, right? Um, so now I'm able to actually update it if I wanted to. So if I wanted to change Braden to be something else, I could say name is equal to Bob, right? And then if I print out Braden here, or if I print out name here, sorry, and then I also print out name here, you're gonna see that the value of name changes because I'm changing, I'm updating the variable. I'm changing what the variable is assigned to. Okay, so Braden and then Bob. Sorry, I can't make that console any bigger. Um, it just won't let me zoom on it, I don't think, no. Um, so that's how you can update variables, right? Um, now, if I had a number, I could do the same thing. So if I had, uh, I don't know, say num is equal to five, right? I could then make num equal to, uh, num plus five. And here I'm again, updating the value of it. I'm updating the value to be whatever the number currently is plus five. So if the number starts at five and I'm updating it to be num plus five, then it's gonna be 10, right? So if I run this, 
I get five and then I get, um, sorry, this needs to be num as well, not name. So if I run this, I get five and then I get 10. Okay, because first num is equal to five. Then I print it and then I say, okay, let's make num equal to something different. Let's make it equal to whatever it used to be plus five. So five plus five. So now I'm changing what num is equal to to be 10. Okay, so you can update variables like that and change them. Now, if I didn't uh, define num up here, if I just said I wanna make num equal to num plus five, I can't do that because we haven't initialized num. So when I do this, it's gonna look at this side first and it's gonna say, okay, five plus num, what is num? It's gonna look above and there's no, there's num was never set to anything. So it's gonna give me an issue. That's what I mean by it needs to be initialized first, okay? Um, so that you can update it. So that's how you update variables and, and you'll see why this is important in a minute whenever we um, get into iteration because iteration typically involves updating variables quite often. So next we'll look at why would we even want to iterate, okay? Um, so computers are often used to automate repetitive tasks, okay? So for example, um, I've been trading on the some, some Bitcoin exchanges lately, doing a little bit of trading just for fun. Um, and, you know, a good way to make money is to, if you, if you can predict it, is to buy when the when the price drops a little bit and then sell it when the price gets a little higher again, right? Because then you're making a little bit of money each time you buy and sell. Um, now, if I were to pick up some patterns and say, okay, every day after this time it drops and then at this time it goes back up, so I should buy and then sell. And then every day at this time it does the same thing. And maybe maybe I notice 10 different times during the day when I should buy and then sell. I don't wanna have to every day sit down on my computer at those times and buy some, some, some currency and then sell the currency. Maybe I just write a program to do that. So I'd write a program that says, okay, when you see it drop, buy the currency. When you see it go back above what it dropped from, sell the currency. Uh, and then my program could just run forever and it would check that constantly every day over and over and over and it would keep checking. And it would say, if it drops, buy. If it's above, sell. If it drops, buy. And it could, and it could actually do it way more often. It could do it 10,000 times a day if I wanted it to, um, which could probably make me some money. Um, so that's a repetitive task that I could do myself but if I let the computer do it, I could do it way more often and I don't even have to do it at all. Um, same as like, I don't know, um, checking the weather, right? Um, if, I, if I'm gonna check the weather every day to see whether I should, um, I don't know, start my car early because maybe it's gonna be cold, um, I have to go out, look out the window. It's a repetitive task that I do every day, every morning. Instead, I could just write a program that says, okay, program, check the weather network. And if it's below this temperature, alert me. Otherwise, I can just go about my day. Um, so these repetitive types of tasks are things that the program needs to do over and over. And that's how iteration can play a factor into things. Um, because repeating identical or similar tasks without making errors is actually something computers do really well. Because we tell it how to do the task once, and as long as we tell it how to do that task once correctly, the computer can do it as many times as we need it to without ever making a mistake, right? Um, whereas humans, we make mistakes. So um, that's another example I can give. Let's say driving a car, right? Driving a car is very repetitive. Every day you drive the car, the same thing. You put your foot down on the gas to go, you steer, you stop over and over, and you keep doing that to drive your car. But then one day, you know, you accidentally forget to hit the brake and you rear end someone. You know, we make mistakes like that. Computers don't make those mistakes if they have been programmed correctly. So um, that's where you're seeing a lot of these autonomous vehicles are much safer. Now there's a whole other dilemma there around like, 
around like ethics and you know if there's a child and an old person on the road which one does it steer away from and which one does it potentially run into and all this kind of stuff so that's that's more of an ethical debate um but as far as the car assuming the sensors are working correctly which is a hardware thing but if the software is written so that it stops when it gets too close to someone it will never not stop when it gets too close to someone because that program just runs over and over and over and as long as it is correct the first time it'll never change and it'll always be correct okay um so computers are really good at doing things over and over and over correctly. So it's much better to let computers do that than humans because we make mistakes. Python provides several features to make iteration easy. So while loop is one of these features uh, and as well as the for loop, okay? Um, so the for loop also is a type of iteration that you can use in Python. So we're gonna look at both while and for. Is that how you program a bot like for online purchases? Yeah, exactly. So like. You're talking, for example, like the PS5 came out and nobody could buy them because all the bots were buying them. Um, it'd be the same thing. So you'd have a bot that you'd have iteration where the bot would be checking the price on a certain website. It would be going to that website, checking the price, checking the price. You write, you write it and you just, you write one, you write the code to do it once. Say, go here, check this website. And then you put it in a loop and an iteration and just say, check the website, check the website, check the website over and over and over. And it does the same code over and over and over. It keeps checking the website. And you know, the second it sees stock, then and you have some other code that says, go, go and check out and buy it. Uh, but yeah, that's a good example, actually. Thanks, Francis. Okay, um, types of iterations. So we have, like I said, a while loop and a for loop. So a while loop will evaluate the condition yielding true or false. If the condition is false, it'll exit the while statement and continue execution at the next statement. If the condition is true, it'll execute the body and then go back to step one. So what does that mean? Let's create a while loop. So we'll say... Um, sky is blue okay so that's equal to true i guess the color of the sky could change depending on the weather but we're just going to pretend the sky is always blue um so while uh the sky is blue okay print sky is blue okay now if i run this and then here down here we'll say print um, the program stopped looping. Okay. Um, so while the sky is blue, we're going to print out sky is blue. So I'm going to run this. It's just going to keep saying sky is blue over and over and over. Okay. Uh, you can't actually see how many times it's doing it because it's just looping forever. So this is actually an infinite loop, which we'll talk about in a minute. But if I put a counter here, so let's say count equals zero, and we're going to look at more examples of counters in a second, but count equals count plus one, print count. Sky is blue, look at this. So it's just going over and over and over and over, sky is blue, okay? And uh, you'll see I just said, I just printed out sky is blue 25,000 times. I'd like to see you write sky is blue 25,000 times that fast. <laughs> um, okay, so we just looped this while loop 25,000 times um, and we printed out sky is blue. Now, this is why this this is how while loops work. So while loops will always run the code inside of them and then start back at the top of the while loop. So it goes from line three to line six, back to line three to line six, back to line three to line six. And every time it goes back up to line three, it checks this and it says, is this still true? If it's still true, 
it runs this again. Then it goes back to here and says, is this still true? If this becomes false, then it will stop. It won't run this again. It'll just go right after it to line seven and, and continue running. Okay, so if I, let's say we do while the sky blue, count equals count plus one. Uh, we don't even need the count anymore. Let's just say sky is blue. And then after we print that out, we're gonna say sky is blue equals false, okay? So when it gets to here, it says it's false. It's gonna go back up and check and then it won't print it again. It'll just continue on. So the sky is blue, the program stopped looping. So it finally continued to run the rest of the code because after the first time it went through, it said it was false and it came back to the top. I could do something like this where I say count equals count plus one. Um, and then I could say if count is greater than 10, um, we'll say the sky is blue equals false. So if I run this, it's gonna print out sky is blue, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 times. Okay, and the reason it printed out 11 times is because I run it once here and count starts at zero and then I make count one, right? So then it says, okay, count is one now, it's um, not greater than 10 and then it keeps going all the way to 10 um, and it gets to 10 and it says, okay, uh, it's still not greater. So let's run this code one more time. And so that's gonna be the 11th time. And then it now is 11. So when it hits this, it'll say, okay, it's 11 now. But even though it's already printed this 11 times, right? Cause it's the 11th time it runs. It's gonna say, okay, now it's 11th time. So now we uh, say sky is blue is false. And then it's gonna get back to the top and it won't go back in. If I were to check this number before we print sky is blue. So I mean, I'd also have to increase the count before the sky is blue. Uh, it'll only run 10 times. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, uh, 11 times. Yes, 11 still. <laughs> it'll still run 11 times um, because it's coming in here. It's setting sky is blue to false. It's printing this and then it's restarting. So it's still printing this even though it's 11 times, the 11th time. Um, so I'd actually have to set count equal to 1 here if I wanted this to only run 10 times. There we go. Okay, but that's sort of how a while loop works. So a while loop will run until some, until whatever you're looking at here becomes false, then it'll stop running. Um, a for loop, on the other hand, is only gonna run for a predetermined number of times. It'll run for however many times uh, you need it to, basically. So for a for loop, uh, you typically are looping through a list. So you're going from the start of the list to the end of the list. So if I have a list, uh, we'll just use the example that's in the notes here. So if I say friends, is my list and that list is equal to, I don't know, Sally, Tom, Bob, and Sarah. Oops. Okay, um, and then I say for friend, so this is how I use the for, you say for, and then the name of whatever you want your temporary variable to be, and we'll see what that's used for in a second, in, so in what, in, in the list of friends. So what that means is go through this list of friends for each friend, starting at the first one, make this friend variable equal to that. So friend is now equal to Sally, and then it'll go and do something inside the for loop. So in this case, we'll just print out friend. And then once the for loop ends, go back to the top of the for loop on line three, and then take the next thing in friends and assign it to this variable friend. So make friend equal to the second thing in the list. 
print it out, go back, make friend equal to the third thing in the list, print it out, go back, make friend equal to the last thing in the list, go back and then, oh, we're at the last thing in the list, so we're not gonna do anything now, we'll just continue on with the rest of our code. because I have an apostrophe in there. If I run this, Sally, Tom, Bob, Sarah, that's all the friends I have. Okay, so it'll loop through this list from start to finish, assign each value in the list to this temporary variable and print it out and then go back to the start and do the same thing over and over and over till it gets to the last one. And when there's nothing after that one, it quits out and continues with the rest of the code. Okay, so you can obviously see how this is a lot easier to write than if I were to write friends at the first spot in the list, friends at the second spot in the list. All right, so we can access things in the list based on their position and lists always start at a position of zero. So Sally would be at position zero, Tom would be at position one, um, Bob would be at position two and Sarah would be at position three. So we could do that and we could say print Right, and we're gonna print out each one of these. All right, so this here is the same as this, okay? Two lines of code instead of four. Now we're only printing out four things. Imagine if we were printing out a thousand, right? Um, if we printed out a thousand, it would still just be this long and instead of having a thousand print statements. Right, so if I comment out this and we run this, I get the same result. If I comment out these lines and I run it, I get the same result. So again, I could have a thousand things in this friends list and this is all the code I would need. Okay, so obviously you can see how this saves you a lot of time. Yes, that's exactly why I had to use double quotes because there was an apostrophe. So if I use single quotes, what's gonna happen is it thinks that this is the closing quote, right? So if you use double quotes, you can actually put single quotes inside of your double quotes, whoops. Another thing you can do is you can escape the character, meaning you tell the, uh, the interpreter that this is not supposed to be a closing quote. So you can do a backslash like that and it'll escape it. Um, it'll still work, it'll still print out the apostrophe, but it just says don't use this as a closing quote. So you can do that as well. I just don't like adding things to my string, so I'd rather just use double quotes. I mean, it doesn't actually add it to the string when it gets output, but I don't know, I just don't like using extra characters for no reason. Um, but that's completely personal preference. So that's a, that's a while loop and that's a for loop um, at the most basics. So, Let's look at infinite loops. So lather, rinse, repeat. <laughs> if you've ever read that on a shampoo bottle and you're a programmer, it might bug you because you're gonna say, okay, so I lather, then I rinse, then I repeat. I lather, I rinse, repeat. But if you look at that, it never ends. That means you're gonna be in the shower washing your hair forever. You can never stop because it always ends with repeat. <laughs> um, that's basically what an infinite loop is. So if you don't know when you need to exit a loop, uh, you can actually use break. So in that first example, we created an infinite loop by saying sky is, actually we don't even need that sky is blue variable. We could just say while true, and then it's true is always true, right? Um, so we could say that, we could just say print. 
don't know, we can say lather, rinse, repeat. Um, and this is gonna run forever, right? Um, now, if we wanted it to stop, we could say um, time is washed. Time is washed equals. Um, what was that? We got some crazy things going on over here. Oh, apparently my alerts for YouTube pop up on this software that I'm using for streaming. That's cool. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. Um, okay, so did that actually pop up on the screen for you guys? It did. Well, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to fix that. The Sleepy Bunny has subscribed on my YouTube channel. Cool. Um, okay, so time washed, if we say, is equal to time washed plus one. Okay, um, and then we'll say after you've if time washed is equal to um, three, two, three times, if we've lather, rinsed, repeated three times, then we're done sh showering, so we'll break, okay? So you can write this break, and what that'll do is it say is once we hit this piece of code, stop the infinite loop, okay? So if I run this, lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, gets to three, and then it breaks. So it says, okay, I don't care if this is true anymore, we're just gonna exit out anyways. So then it comes to this line eight, so I can show here done if you want to see what happens done right so that's what you can use break for is to stop infinite loops so sometimes you actually want something to continue forever until some sort of condition is met and then you want to break but be very careful with that because if you if your break never gets hit your infinite loop is going to go forever and it's going to hog up your system resources and your computer's resources trying to do that loop over and over and over forever. So you're going to have this constant process running that's using up a bunch of resources. And it can actually cause big issues um, because it can start using more and more memory if, if the memory is not getting, if the variables, if you're using variable stuff that aren't getting um, deallocated. So if the variables stay in memory and it keeps creating new ones, it could start using up a whole bunch of memory and fill up your computer's memory and then your computer's going to crash. Um, so infinite loops are actually really bad in pr a production environment. So typically we want to stay away from them unless there's a 100% guarantee that the break's going to be hit at some point. Um, that's an infinite loop, so just so you know. And sometimes you might accidentally create one, and that could be a bad thing, so try to avoid those. Um, we can also use continues. So sometimes if you're, if you're in an iteration of a loop and you want to finish the current iteration and then and then so you don't want to finish the current iteration, you just want to immediately jump to the next iteration, you can use continue. So what we could do here, for example, oops, for that is we could say, um, uh, what do we want to do? Oh, we'll do the example in the notes here. So it's like a, it's like an input example. So if we say while true, so that means run our loop forever, uh, line equals input. So get the input and we're going to prompt them. So it's going to be like a little prompt thing with a space after it. And then we're gonna say if line at zero. So if the first character that they input is equal to a pound symbol, um, then we're gonna continue. Uh, if the line is equal to done, then we're going to break. So we're gonna stop looping. 
Otherwise, we're just going to print out the line. And then we'll print done once everything is done. Okay, so get the input from the user. If it's a pound symbol, continue and ask for input again. So what continue does is it'll say, don't run the rest of this at all, but still stay inside of the loop. So go from the continue line four back up to line one. Uh, so that's if they put a pound as the first character. If they don't put a pound as the first character and they say done instead, it'll break. So it'll say from here, just completely exit and get out of the loop and print done. Uh, if we don't do a pound or done, then it's going to say, okay, just print out the line that they input. So if I run this, hello, so it just prints out the line that I wrote. If I say done, it'll exit and stop the program. If I say pound, it'll just skip down to the next line and not print anything. Okay. So that is a little input example program. So this, you'd actually probably do this fairly often if you're asking for input over and over and over or like what you could do with your programs. So some of the programs you guys have wrote, if they don't enter like an integer, for example, you're just exiting and giving them an error. In this case, if you had a while, you could give them the error, but then say, please enter your input again. And you could just have a while loop that keeps asking them for input if they keep inputting the wrong thing, right? Um, I could give you a quick example of that. So if we say try, um, we're gonna say num equals input. Okay, um, try. Uh, num int equals int num. So it cast num to an integer. Uh, if that doesn't work, then we're going to say um, please enter a number only. And then we'll just give them, uh, yeah, then I'll go back to the start. Um, but if they do enter the number, then we'll just say break. So we're happy they gave us a number. Okay, so if I run this, it's gonna give me the little prompt here. I'm gonna say, hello, please enter a number only. Hi, please enter a number only. Hi, all right, it's gonna keep asking me. And if I enter a number, it's happy and it accepts it and then my program just ends because this while loop stops. I mean, you could technically continue on and write more code after this part here if you wanted to. A couple of questions here. Can we use a semicolon in this? No, you can't use semicolons at all in Python. Um, if that's what you're asking, like in your code, like a semicolon at the end of the line. Sometimes you might see me press semicolon and that's, I apologize. That's just because I write a lot of JavaScript for my uh, business. So I'm used to writing with semicolons, but Python does not use semicolons. I'm getting better. I'm starting to write, so JavaScript you can is optional. So in JavaScript, I try to leave them out now so that when I write Python, I write it correctly. Um, but yeah, you don't use semicolons in Python. It'll actually throw errors if you use semicolons. Sounds like a DDoS. Yeah, I mean, you could use a while loop to create a DDoS if you kept hitting someone's endpoint with it. Probably wouldn't be fast enough to actually take down their server depending on the size of the organization, but I wouldn't recommend that either because that's technically illegal. You're sort of attacking someone <laughs> in some form. Um, okay, let's continue. Looping patterns. So for uh, while loops or for loops, you can use them in a couple of different ways typically. So a lot of times people will use them for summing and counting, meaning you're trying to get the total or how many items are in a list or something like that. 
uh, and then minimums and maximums. So people will use them to try and figure out what the minimum value in a list is or what the maximum value in a list is. Okay. Um, so if we want to do a summing one, I'll do a really basic example of a summing one here. We could say uh, total equals zero. We'll just say nums equals an array of numbers. Okay, and then we'll say for num in nums total equals total plus num. Now notice this pattern here that I'm doing. I always say total equals total plus num. I always make it equal to itself. The reason I do that is because if I just, well here, I'll show you, print total. Well, actually, I don't need to print the total every time. We can just print the total at the end. If I run this, okay, you're gonna get 18. So that's the sum of all these. If I just took this out and said total is equal to num, it's just gonna take my last number, right? Because every time this loops, it's gonna go, okay, make total equal to three. Okay, make total equal to four. Okay, make total equal to five. If we wanted to actually add them up, we have to say make total equal to three. Um, or make total equal to total plus num. So the first iteration, make total equal to zero plus three. So that's gonna be three. So now total is three. Next time it comes around, okay, total is already three now. So make three plus four. So that's seven. Okay, now total is seven. Next time it comes around, okay, make seven plus five. And that'll keep adding them up each time, okay? So you gotta always do that when you wanna have a running total. And then you can print out your total, just like that. So we run this, gives us 18, whoops, 18. Um, if I wanted to see how many uh, items are in the nums list, I mean, there's easier ways to do this, but I could just keep a count. So I could say count equals zero. This is sort of what I was doing with that while loop, right? And then I could say count equals count plus one. So just add one to it every time. So every time this runs, we add one to count. And then I could print out count. And that means there's four things in the list. One, two, three, four. Um, you need to start your counts at zero, obviously, because you want to only increase them to one once you actually take a number out of the list. Now, you can also do minimums and maximums. So there's this pattern for finding the minimum and maximum of a, of a list of numbers. Uh, there are built-in functions for this in Python, so obviously you can do it more easily, but I want to show you the way that these functions would work or how they actually figure that out. So um, if we want to find the highest number in this list, okay, well, I have an order of lowest to highest, but let's put some different stuff in here. Um, so they're not all in order. Um, and then I'm going to say, I'm going to create a variable called, uh, max any, uh, or we'll just say largest. I think max is reserved. Largest equals zero. So what I'm saying is to start, I'm going to say the largest number in my list is zero. Okay. Um, when I start, so right now I'm going to say the largest number in my list is zero. And obviously, since we have a list of positive numbers, um, zero is not going to be the largest number, right? Like it's impossible that zero is the largest number. And if it is, then that means that all the numbers are zero. Okay, so, or it'd be tied for the largest if all the numbers were zero. But either way, zero can't be the largest number unless the whole list is zeros. So if I want to find the largest number, we're going to loop through all the numbers and we're going to say, if the number that we're currently looking at is greater than the largest number, then let's make the largest number equal to that number. Okay. 
So what we're doing there is we're saying, take the largest number and check if it's bigger than the current number. So right now, zero is the largest number on the first iteration and num is gonna be three. Is three greater than zero? Yes, right? So that means three is now our new largest number because it's bigger than our largest number. So let's make our largest number equal to three. Then it comes back up to the top and it says, okay, is four bigger than our largest number, which is currently three? Yes, four is bigger. So let's make our largest number now equal to four. And it'll keep doing that until it gets to, so like, like for example, it'll get here and it'll be, so, so, so we'll be at six for our largest by the time we get here. So it'll be here and it'll say, okay, num is equal to one now. Is one greater than our largest number of six? No, it's not. So just skip one and go to the next number because we know it's not gonna be the largest. Okay, and then we can print out largest at the end and run that. And that's gonna print out What's going on here? There we go, nine. Okay, so nine is our largest number. And it's not just because it's the last, so let's say we put, I don't know, 15 in here. Now 15 is our largest number. So that's a common pattern that you're gonna see. Now the example I have in the notes is much more detailed. So it actually checks to make sure that uh, the number is not, uh, is not equal to none. Okay, so if it's, it's uninitialized. So this would actually work better in the, notes, the example in the notes because it would handle negative numbers, okay? Um, so that's another thing. And then they're, so they're checking if it's not equal to none and it's greater than the largest, then set it to the new largest. Um, that's the only difference there in the notes and then Summing and counting, on the, in the notes I have the, the summing, which I just showed you, but we also have the uh, uh, counting. Actually, I showed you both of those, perfect. So we've, we've went through all the examples of the notes, just in a bit simpler format. All right, um, that's all that I had to cover for iteration. So it was a short, uh, short week actually.